Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name is Gerns. I'm here with Halima. Hey, what's up, guys? You know what? On the Halima energy scale, that was a 7 out of 10. So, well that, done. I was actually going to say that that took all the energy that I had. That actually took every last ounce of energy. Guys, I was just telling Carlos. I know everyone's probably very fed up of hearing us, well, really me complain all the time about how I'm just always tired but I was just telling Carlos about how tired I am <laughs> um basically you know what I've been like I'm always tired anyway like this past week I've been on my period and uh, plus I have like really really severe anemia um and I'm not always the best at taking my iron tablet I will admit um but this past week so I'm always tired but this past week I've been hearing it like seeing a lot of people on social media like talk about how how just how knackered and out of whack they are and a lot of people are putting it down to the fact that obviously we we lost an hour like over the weekend because the clocks have gone forward um and it's just it's and I would never ever ever put it down to that just because I've got other stuff that makes me tired but when you think about it like it's actually mad how much of an effect something like an hour a lot one lost hour can have on you Mm. I also think it's because and I know this is really going to get people rolling their eyes and thinking, oh, my God, we're never happy. I also think it might be because, obviously, it's brighter later now. So, like, your body is having to, like, which I am glad for, you know, we thank God. We thank God. Honestly, earlier today, no, Carlos is, is, is um like, face palming himself. But, no, I'm not complaining about it. I am happy about it. Earlier today, I was actually thinking, like, oh, my God, can't believe we made it. Because I was literally counting down to this, to this like, period for so long. But... <laughs> and now you're complaining about it. No, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying that I think... I think it's because, obviously, it's, it's um, the days are longer. Your body is, like... Your brain is recognising that it's bright and your body's having to, like... Um, be active for longer do you know what I mean do you get what I'm saying like you have to contend you have to contend with the fact that like you're supposed to be like doing stuff for much longer because I feel like before in the winter when it gets dark at like 4 or 5 p.m you literally go into like hibernation mode I'm not gonna lie like for me as soon as it gets dark and like or whenever work is finished I'm just hibernation mode like that's me. My body, and my brain have just retired for the day. Whereas obviously it's it's um, darker later now, so it's like you having to go on for much longer. But Alhamdulillah, you know, still we stay we stay grateful, we stay thankful. As I say, I have been counting down to this for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. In case you can't tell, guys, we're very happy and we're not complaining that it is finally British summertime. <laughs> If we can call well, it. Well, is that. it spring? It's spring, isn't it? Apparently, br- br- apparently summertime's not till like May or June or something. I think obviously s- summer doesn't really start till then, but in terms of summertime is when the clocks go forward, winter time is oh, when it goes right, back. Yeah. We're in that period. So, yeah. Yeah, I just need, I just need the heat. Do you feel like it's getting warmer later on in the year? I think I this year a hundred percent like it's been like I remember being February. It's March. Yeah, yeah I remember being February and being like, okay, this is it. Now it's going to turn around, and then literally the whole past month it's been a bit questionable. Yeah. And only now is it starting to actually pick up a bit. Yeah, honestly, because I feel like I just remember like it was probably like in my in my young adulthood, probably from like twenty onwards, where I really, really started to like hone in on like weather and darkness and stuff like that as something that really affects like my well-being and I remember like every year as soon as it would get to March that's when I would kind of like start to be okay again because it would you'd have odd days and weeks in March kind of where it starts to, you know the sun starts to come out um temperature warms up a little bit like it feels very much like spring but I feel like the last maybe two years that hasn't happened until like April, even late April. I have a question. Do you feel like um, when it comes round to um, Eid um, falling in the 
British winter months. Do you think that makes a difference? Because I know for a lot of people, they feel the same way you do, but then they do kind of feel a bit more picked up around Christmas time because it does feel a bit jolly. Like it might be dark, but at least it's all for presents and happy times. Yeah, me too. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I don't celebrate Christmas, but like the festive period, it mitigates things for like, there's like maybe like a week or two where the festive period might mitigate like the absolute gloom and doom. But with Eid, it's not the same as like it is with Christmas because Christmas, like Christmas isn't just Christmas day. It's that entire like festive period, you know, like as soon as it hits the end of November, December, people start gearing up towards Christmas and, you know, you've got Christmas markets and you've got so many Christmas, like, because it's such a massive commercial thing in, in the Western world that, you know, um, you just have like Christmas geared events and stuff like that. Whereas, because this obviously the UK is not a Muslim country, well, not technically anyway. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyone's listening, if the MI5 are listening, it was a joke. <laughs> that, yeah. So, so Eid is very much just like a day, you know, like it's not like we don't really have, obviously, we have two Eids and one of them is like at the end of Ramadan. Um, but it doesn't feel like much of like you're gearing up towards it just kind of like comes and goes a little bit but and this is the thing that's worrying me a little bit obviously um ramadan and eid both the eids are pushed back like 10 days every year so where for like the last few years it's always been like summertime for me it's now going into like winter which i don't think it has been like that for me since probably like primary school early high school like at a very 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 long time when so you I'm, weren't necessarily properly engaging in it exactly exactly yeah. so i'm really worried because because i love eid honestly but obviously my favorite holiday i love it in general um i always have like a really fun eid and um the, one of the great things about it is that the weather is always great you know so like i'm just worried about what an eid in the winter is gonna look like oh my god i'm not looking forward to that and ramadan as well it is kind of oh. cute i saw a thing like in a couple of years time i swear eid and christmas are literally going to be the same day no there's one which was like eid and christmas and i think hanukkah like was probably around that period as well right yeah i think hanukkah's always like similar yeah similar then, times yeah. yeah well yeah no there was a day where i think they predicted it will be and the actual same day which that might be the only exception because it would feel like everyone's celebrating like you know everyone in the country will it be like celebrating that day i guess or like most people at least yeah because um, i do feel i do feel like um jewish and muslim people i think they are two religions that will quite openly not celebrate christmas but you find with um, a lot of a lot of hindu sikhs i think you do find that they will just celebrate christmas if they live in a quote-unquote christian country like yeah. yeah yeah exactly so like most people will be having some kind of celebration on the day which is fun it, is, it yeah. is fun but um in general no like you know there's this kind of one of the best things about ramadan because obviously for the last like decade um all the ramadans have been like summertime or like at least where it's been like warm you know um and one of the best things about ramadan it's always mango season so and obviously like we love mangoes especially like south asian muslims and so for me like for the past decade of my life ramadan has been very like one characteristic kind of like feature and core memory of ramadan is like eating just so much good fruit like so mangoes and watermelons they're really really like pivotal characteristic features of ramadan um Mm. you know like ending your opening your fast even though it was later and it was much more difficult it's just it was always so nice like ending your fast like with the the kind of like you know warm like summer like dusk you know where things are still kind of like there's like lingering heat in the air but it's like you know it's that it's still cool and like the doors and windows would be open and you just have have like massive platters of like mango and watermelon and stuff like that. And I know from like on so being on social media, there's so many Muslims feel the same way. Like one thing that was said about Ramadan this year is that it is just before like mango and watermelon season. So that's that's also quite sad. There is a very I think there's a very special kind of like resonance of, of having Ramadan in the summertime. Mm, I mean 
I know one through that we have that goes particularly good at um, January, December time is uh, the um, light cheese. Yeah. And not even that. I was gonna say like clementines, oh, really? like or, like Spanish. Oh. No Spanish oranges. Like they're they're is really nice. They're really nice around that time. Like oh, I so. I just know December January is being lychee season. I'm not that fond of lychee. You know, I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite fruits. It's one of like the most nostalgic fruits for me. Like just grow up eating because my granddad used to have like orc- like lychee orchids in Bangladesh. So he used to bring back like suitcases full. Um, so it's such a nostalgic boot for me. So that's another great memory I have, which I think that that's the only like that's one of the few good things about like winter time for me is lychee season. But but yeah, no, I'm sad. I'm very sad that Ramadan is not going to coincide with mango and watermelon season for another probably decade or so. I don't know. I don't know the timings, but a long time. You know what's hilarious is this year um, Eid coincides with the same weekend as um, St. George's Day, which is obviously pretty much the... Your stag weekend? Yeah, but, but it's also like the opposite of um, Eid, if we're going to say, if we're going to put it Don't kill me, swear <laughs> down. It's twenty Sunday Sunday the 23rd of April. Oh my God, I've got, got to tell my family I can't celebrate Eid because I'm... <laughs> busy celebrating St George's Day do people in the UK they don't even celebrate St George's Day do they like, well they don't well I think some people do but those people are usually the type of people that I would imagine in my opinion would not be so keen on sharing it with Eid yeah <laughs> so yeah I've so never like I don't think I don't mean well yeah I mean I can imagine there's probably like a small faction of people that do celebrate celebrate it but it's not it's not actually like a widespread holiday is it? Well, I, I feel like it's because or is it's, it? I don't know. Well, because if England is OG colonizer, it's kind of like it's not really like say with Scotland or Ireland when there's like yeah. that sense of like pride about it. I mean, obviously the people that do celebrate it do have an elevated sense of pride, which is arguably the problem. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, but even if Saint George's Day, I don't even know. It's just the patron saint, isn't it? But I swear he's Turkish anyway, so I don't know what's going Saint on. Saint George, slow yeah. down. okay i need to do some research because i don't really know much about saint george i feel like he killed a dragon i think yes okay so he's not real then or maybe he is but he didn't really kill a dragon who knows i know saint patrick is obviously the saint of ireland is it saint david who's the the, of of wales yeah and then andrew for scotland right saint andrews of course god it's all very biblical isn't it Moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. I'm saying, yeah. um, the it. main thing I wanted to reflect on today is um, obviously um, we're currently in the month of Ramadan, and I wanted to just have a bit of a chat with you. I mean, I'm sure we've probably reflected on this in the past, but just like what it actually means to you, because obviously you've been talking about how much you love Eid and how it's your favorite holiday, but. Obviously, Ramadan is meant to be, to my understanding, it's meant to be a month of reflection, um, feeling closer to God. That's obviously, you're you're not doing certain things in order to achieve that. Um, but on a personal level, what does it actually mean to you? So, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a month of just like very, very, very deep spirituality, like for non-Muslims. I know a lot of people always kind of, like a lot of non-Muslims that don't necessarily understand Islam, don't necessarily understand Ramadan, they think, because obviously, like, one of the foremost things we do is abstain from food and drink from sunrise to sunset. So a lot of people kind of think that that's all what Ramadan is or, like, that that's what Ramadan is about. And actually, like, um, food, abstaining from the food and, and drink aspect of it is um, actually the, the least significant thing. It's actually, like, the least important thing about about it all um because it's no use fasting abstaining from food and drink all day when you're not actually like um like kind of honing in in your faith and your spirituality in other ways so like the month is yes you abstain from food and drink but so that it puts you in a state of like um just complete complete like 
um worldly abandonment and like self-reflection and and like really being in touch with your spirit spirituality you know to really make you examine your relationship with god your relationship with your faith your kind of place in this world and the things that you are doing the path that you're on and all of these things that's what ramadan really 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 is about for me it's a very 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 like important like one thing ramadan always does for me is is help me rethink like um worldly attachment because there's this there's this kind of like phenomenon that i'm sure a lot of muslims that fast can resonate with where you spend the whole day like not eating right um, on average i think this year it's like a 13 hour fast like kind of around the world so for 13 hours like more than half the day you're not eating or drinking or anything and you're like obviously you get very hungry you get very thirsty and you expect that you're going to want to eat and drink like so much when when the time comes to open your fast and actually what happens is like you'll sit down you'll eat a couple bites or like you'll eat you know a, a regular amount of food and then you're full you know and it's this kind of idea of how our worldly desires are so fleeting you know how we're very very just kind of passing through this earth in a way like that's what it always makes me think of it always makes me think about how like well you know like to conceptualize it within the fast like the whole day I'm, I'm so hyper fixated on this on just like eating or drinking or whatever um and then it comes and I'm over it so quickly you know and I think that's a lesson a really good lesson for a lot of Muslims to kind of really hone in on um to not be so attached as well because obviously in islam like the kind of number one thing is that we don't like the number one like the the crux of islam as that like, you could call it obviously is to be a good person but because this life is a test like we we consider this world this life on this earth to be um a drop in the ocean you know that's the kind of the way that we're, we're taught to think about it so it's nothing this life is fleeting your time on this earth is fleeting in comparison to the afterlife which is like that's your real life you know that's your real existence this life is just a test um and I think Ramadan is all just about kind of really really reminding yourself on that and it's a time of reorientation you know um obviously because it's such a holy month it's a time where your like um your relationship with God is very very heightened in the sense that like your prayers are even more sacred your worship is even more sacred um the things that you ask for are like god will god is more likely to kind of answer them you know answer your prayers and stuff so <laughs> as i say it's a time to reinvent yourself and um reorientate and remember like okay what are, what you're doing on this earth and who for and what for so if obviously you talked about like food and drink and how um these other world worldly desires are so fleeting what is it that is or what entity or what thing is it that is the opposite of that? That is the thing that is omnipresent, ever-present. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is it that's continuously there and should be the focus? Like, your your faith and, and the cognizance of what you're here for, right? You know, obviously, as Muslims, as I said, our number one, one kind of purpose in this life is to pass the test so we can be in heaven in the afterlife. And the difficulty is that and it's a, it is a test or so like it's going to be difficult it's meant to be difficult and the difficulty that we all fall into is just kind of um losing ourselves in in the in the in the pace of like worldly desires and attachments and you know we get so we get so attached to like people and and material objects and careers and 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 just things that are existent in this life that you're not going to take forward in the afterlife you know, but the thing that you do take forward in the afterlife is you, your faith, your good deeds and your like sins. You know, so those those are the things that when I say it's a time to reorientate ourselves, that's what we really, really are mindful of. Um, what is what's the mark that I'm gonna leave on this world? Like what's gonna carry me into the afterlife in good stead? What are the things that I need to be doing, what are the things that I need to stop doing? You know, just it is honestly, I'll say in the most simplest terms, it's just making yourself a better person. The take on um, Ramadan that you've just um, explained is very much what you've read the text to be and what you've interpreted it as. But do you feel that 
Do you think a lot of people out there maybe focus, or some people out there focus on the wrong things when it comes to this? I'm trying to phrase this in a way that isn't like no, I do. A lot of people. No, 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 no. No, I think I think sometimes the mistake that obviously like, and this is another thing as well where faith is so personal, how you practice is so personal, your spirituality is so personal, your relationship with God is so personal, and therefore what Ramadan is for you and what it does for you is also so personal. And I think it's a time of like really, really you absolutely must just reserve no judgments. You know, I, I, there's a lot of Muslims who I think they sometimes fall into this trap of they end up judging other Muslims, you know, what the Muslims are doing or aren't doing. Or, you know, this a very common one is kind of like, you know, if a Muslim woman starts wearing the hijab during this month, which she doesn't wear the rest of the time, people are like, oh, well, you're a hypocrite, you don't wear it. And blah, blah, blah. Or like if a Muslim prays in this month and they don't in other times, then it's like, well, that's exactly the point of Ramadan. Like it's added incentive. It kind of... It's this idea that if you're not going to do any of those things the rest of the year, at least you'll do it during Ramadan, you know, like one year, one month out of 12 rather than zero months out of 12 is better, you know. Um, So that is like, that's the kind of thinking and behaviour that just isn't good, but is very commonplace um, because I wouldn't say that there's any wrong way the only only thing that I would personally like kind of any warning that I would give is just just don't think that it's only about food and drink. Because some Muslims do do that where they just they they kind of abstain from the food and drink, but then won't pray or worship or whatever. And, and, and whatever that prayer or worship, you know, however it comes to them, whatever that is, obviously we have like set set protocol. But I mean, like I said, it's every person has a per- personal relationship with faith but I would say that's kind of like the beauty of faith right is that everyone can practice in their own way in a way that resonates with them very wise words from our sponsor Halima thank you guys ask about me at the pearly gates if you don't see me there (laughs) (laughs) thank you for um joining me today to chat about this very personal and important topic to yourself I always find it because I obviously listening to you speak each week. I always obviously like taking what you're saying, but I still find it very interesting to hear your specific thoughts on certain things and how it, how it frames your own like being as well. Like in the way that you go about things. That's Carlos. That's nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, I know I won't see you for a couple of weeks for unspoken reasons because we're not, Giving anyone the chance to... <laughs> no evil eyes. I'll speak about it when I'm back. But happy Ramadan to everyone. I hope everyone, like, whoever is observing is having a good time and an easy time. And, you know, they're, they're making the most out of this period. And, yeah. yeah. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. And it is time for Agni Ante. So for those of you that don't know, Agni Ante is a segment here on the show where we get real-life confessions um admissions problems from you listeners and we give our expert advice on how to resolve them so let's get into this week's i feel like a downgraded version of my partner's ex i felt like this for a year and i can't get it out of my head that i will never be as good as the ex look slash personality when my partner describes what their type is they're practically describing all their ex's traits i think about this daily I'm a confident person and have good self-esteem, but it all goes out the window when it comes to this. Do I need therapy? Should I bounce because the relationship is making me insecure? I need these feelings to go ASAP. First of all, Whoa, I, don't, really I don't think you do have lots of self-esteem. I hate to break it to you, but from that... No, like, I feel like you could have a lot of self-esteem, but he's breaking it down because... I'm assuming he's not stupid. He knows what he's doing by saying, oh, if she's blonde and his ex has brown hair, oh, my type is brunettes. Wait, but is he saying that or is she asking? When she describes his type, he describes his ex traits. As in like, but I don't think that's, that's, okay, look, I'm, I'll be honest. Depends like, I, how opposite they are. You no, know, I, I agree with Carlos. I think, I think this is a, a, a case of low self-esteem because your partner should be able to be honest about what their type is. And I'm going to assume here that he's not, because she hasn't said anything like he's done anything in any other kind of way. Like, I'm going to assume it's not malicious you have to trust look listen someone can technically have a certain type type and then they can meet someone who on paper might not be their type but they tick all the boxes boxes for them they have a connection the important thing is not not his past not who he's been with but the fact that he's chosen 
to be with you. You're you're who he's with right now. And like, if it's a serious relationship, you guys, you know, must be, I'm assuming like building a future together. That's the important thing. Now I completely understand the insecurity. I get it. Like, um, I don't like, it, especially I'm guessing like this is a woman. Like, would, it sounds like it. Is, yeah. But, especially yeah. as woman, I understand like the, the kind of comparisons thing and all of that. But I feel like you can't like, unless your ex has actually come forward and been like, oh, this is my type. I wish you were more like this. Like stop projecting I, that. I, I think this person is massively massively projecting but then also, if it's getting to you this much what's stopping you from just saying it that's in a it that's what i was gonna it say and talking yeah. it through like yeah oh you do tend to describe your ex when i say what your type is or i feel like you're always comparing or whatever the issues that she has not mentioned in this if there is what if there is one Have, like, i think it's a lot of internalized projections the, the yeah is, having said that though i think whilst if you're in a relationship you should be completely open and honest with one another because like she's i saying, feel like he could maybe that's what I'm saying. He could, she's but saying, he might not know though that's the thing oh yeah i'm assuming he's malicious but you're right without assuming that he's got good intentions but, he could be doing it without knowing but, but she's saying then, i feel it's making me feel insecure i need them to, i need the feelings to go asap you shouldn't be feeling insecure in your, in your relationship. relationship like he could he definitely should be making you feel secure and wanted and yeah like, you 100%, know 100%. That this is what he wants and he's in this right yeah so what's stopping you from bringing this up and having a conversation yeah. about it? Yeah. He could definitely be more tactful. Like if, if yeah. you're asking what's your type, like but maybe... Like say he is doing it maliciously, you are exact opposites and you ask him what his type is and he literally n- describes her to a T, I would say that's a bit f***ed. But the only way you could know that is literally yeah, but, having yeah. a conversation with your partner because, as I say, e- even though he could perhaps be more tactful whether he's doing it on purpose or he's genuinely just stupid because I'll be honest, sometimes men are just a bit stupid yeah. and a bit clueless, especially when it comes to like female complexes. Um, the, the most important thing you could do is have that conversation with your partner and just say to them, hey, look, I feel like, you know, this is what you're describing. This is how... Because oftentimes, like, our... I think oftentimes our romantic relationships is where our deepest anxieties and insecurities and paranoias really, really play out. And this is an opportunity for you to really, really kind of, like, grasp all of those things about you and really work on them and not in just in the context of your relationship. So my first port of call is sit down with your partner, explain to him exactly how you feel, exactly why you feel that way. And then your reaction and your response will be, will be, should be according to what he says. If his response is very reassuring and he understands and he kind of, he says to you, like, ideally this is what you want, like for your partner to sit down and say to you like, Hey, listen, look, don't be insecure. You're who I want. You're who I've chosen. You're who I'm with. Then it is, you know, then that it's an internalized projection. And at that point, you like figure it out. You recognize the triggers and you realize what's making you feel like this. You work it out inside yourself and you actually get that self-esteem to what you're saying it's at exactly but like i think if it's the opposite yeah and he and he kind of is dismissive or he invalidates you or he just keeps he he doubles down and he's like oh well mm. but she is my type and he he himself does a comparison then it's probably a case that because we're guessing we don't have that much information then it probably is a case that this person has internalized them from her boyfriend in which case i would then ask him like hey listen this is how it makes me feel and kind of try to put some boundaries down and be like i would really appreciate if you didn't talk about this person in that way blah 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 blah, blah. and then if it continued then i would be like okay i think you might have to question some things about your partner and your relationship none of the, none of those things will be clear to you your port yeah. of call your action plan will not be clear to you unless you speak to your yeah. partner and see where this insecurity is coming from because you know? i feel like as well Coming from what I can imagine where your head's at at the point of writing this is you're in a rut of overthinking. Yeah. You've got it you've got ideas in your own head. So anything he could say, you're gonna somehow link yeah, it back 100. to Is this about his ex? Is this about so and so? Is this about whatever? Until you address it in person, out loud with him, and you have like an open, honest, upfront discussion about it you are going to be stuck in that mental rut of like yeah overthinking over stressing about it and mm-hmm. making every connection where there might not even be any 100%. to like justify your train of thought because they said they've been thinking like this for over a year yeah like, that's oh. a long time to oh. be in that headspace so i feel like that's when, awful. You, when you have a thought like this 
you just reaffirm it. You find any which reason you can, and to it compounds, reaffirm. and it compounds, yeah, exactly. and it compounds. So it so might then you convince been... yourself yeah. there's a problem here when you know on their side they might, yeah. like you said, boys, men sometimes straight over over their heads. Yeah. So I just feel like. Sometimes you can compound and start believing something that is not necessarily the True, truth. Yeah. So unless you get out there and then actually have a discussion about it, you're never ever gonna know. Seeing you and saying like, "Oh, do I need therapy? Should I leave?" Don't make huge life decisions. Not the therapy bit, but like the leaving bit, based off something you've convinced yourself is true when it genuinely just might not be. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like sometimes we take small things. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> if if we don't address them if we don't nip it in the bud they fester yeah. and then everything else becomes proof of that and it yeah. compounds that you genuinely belief. find reasons to start validating your train of thought and, and it's then, irrational like, at after that point give it a year which is a long time yeah. that is gospel that's truth to you now yeah, so anything like for example going back to the hair color thing if you're blonde and his ex was a brunette he could see maya jammer on love island and be like oh she looks good you'd be like she looks like his ex yeah. like the littlest tiny little things or like even doesn't it have to be a looks thing but like yeah. absolutely anything will then reaffirm your belief that it's feeding about it's, it would whatever. be feeding a yeah. delusion that's what essentially that we're saying so i think the important thing that you need to do is figure out the root of your insecurities by having a conversation with your partner figure out if the insecurities from what he has said things that he has said and complexes that he has given you or whether it's because of your own internalized projections and then that will tell you what you need to do next whether that is leave that relationship or get therapy bro do you know what i mean work on yourself I feel like everything in this is going to come back to get therapy yeah bro. i mean that's advice <laughs> for a- anyone oh anyone, everyone anything. needs therapy that's yeah. my tagline everyone needs therapy yeah and that was this week's agony auntie make sure that you tune in every week for new sessions here on mango masala pi radio south asian show Yes guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name's Gerns and I'm here with Ramel. How are you doing? I'm doing very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. For the listeners out there, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're um, into, yeah. that sort of thing? Most people will know me as um, being one of the BBC Asian Network represents presenters. Um, I had my stint last summer, um, which I really loved. I enjoyed um, as I have a huge passion for music as a whole but most importantly um asian music worldwide not just the british asian artists um if you know me then you'll know that um i've done various different things and been part of various different projects um um one i could talk about was um during lockdown i came up with a concept called catch up in clouds where um i was smoking shisha um because shisha is a thing that i love to do and being asian is kind of like um you know it's not even a red flag it's a green flag actually um but it's more like um during lockdown i was smoking shisha and interviewing very familiar faces um started off with people like monday stranger h dami and then i ended up being able to interview and have a casual chat with people like rishi rich first man um harps core um i had nilika from the bollywood co um my latest guest was raghav um so really that got me into more kind of the presenting and hosting side which i really thought you know i found my feet um let me see what i can do with this um and that's where the opportunity arose with bbc asian network i sent across my demo um thankfully i was picked as one of the 12 that made the final cut um and here i am today and from that i've been able to liaise and work closely with musical artists um Recently been working very closely with um, Mumsy Stranger in his camp, um, so DJ Lion. Um, and yeah, here we are today. Um, and we've um, come out with this global hit that I don't think anybody really expected or anybody thought could possibly happen. And uh, we've done the Urban Desi remix to Rotimi's Make You Say. And um, I know I was dropping you a few teasers saying, I really wish I could tell you, but I can't tell you um but it certainly surprised a lot of people and um yeah i'm just all about um i've always said that musical truly is a universal language um so it doesn't matter which background you're from which culture you're that you're being brought up in your roots the color of your skin what language you hear on the on um, the track um because for me um you know i listen to arabic music i listen to albanian music 
I might not know exactly what's being said, but I can just feel the music. Um, and um, we thought less, the best way possible is to fuse kind of urban desi with Afrobeat Afro Amapiano. And um, I just thought, no one's ever done this yet. Let's just give it a go. Um, and yeah, here we are today with the song doing really well. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a quite a, a proud moment to say that we've made that collab happen and to be part of the project, you know, I can't thank the guys enough. So um, that was a very long intro. I just realized there, but Hey. Yeah, I know, but you literally ticked off so many things. I didn't even need to say like, Oh, the myths so the main reason you're here is because of this. So the, for the people at home, that is the main reason why Ramel is here is because of this new um, track that's dropped the um, urban Desi remix of make you say by wrote to me. And Again, like you were saying, like obviously you were kind of saying, oh yeah, it's coming up. I, when you said the whole like, it's sort of like East meets West vibes, I was sort of maybe expecting it to be like, oh, so maybe you've got someone from um, Bangladesh or something with like an Asian artist here. Yeah. I wasn't expecting yeah. it to be like the amalgamation of genres that it actually is. Um, yeah. So that's obviously great. And obviously... Um, make you say was doing bits before this remix anyway so Indeed. now to have like this song that has done so well have a effectively asian remix um that again works really well as well because i remember listening it to the first listening to it for the first time and kind of wondering how it was gonna fit together and it yeah. doesn't doesn't feel like it's changed that much which some people might be like oh but it's meant to be a remix but actually i think that's kind of nice that like there's been so much added to it but then yeah. it doesn't need to necessarily change the song that much and it shows like how easy it is to actually merge these two genres together yeah essentially what we wanted to do was um still pay homage to Rotomi and um, Nick Tunes, the producer of Make You Say. Um, because I was kind of, when I first met him, I was almost saying to him, you know what, we have to do a bit of an Asian track one day because I I met him in London and then um, he mentioned how there was an India, there was a Bollywood remix of In My Bed that went viral on TikTok during lockdown. Um, and it was doing amazing numbers. But he was afraid of taking that, leap into kind of asian music because and rightly so because he's in the r&b afrobeat market so for someone of um that background to come in to the to the asian market where it's very competitive where you've got tamil music you've got punjabi music you've got bollywood you've got bangla music it's very i mean it's almost like you're being set up for failure um it's like anyone but i mean what i would say i was actually discussing this with with mumsy the other day as asian artists we are so versatile and so useful in this industry because we can do the whole asian desi scene as well as that we can still do the urban r&b hip-hop um the grime the trap whatever it could be because we have that flexibility um and we've seen it um happen on countless occasions we've seen people like Arjun do it we've seen people like Mickey Singh do it um we've seen Mumsy we've seen Nish do it we've seen Zach Knight do it so many names first man do it um so we have so much versatility us as Asians shouldn't feel like we're limited not we're just going to stick to brown music because that's what we're good at but now you're seeing so many collaborations happening with the Asian artists you're seeing um when the Jonas Brothers is working with King, who is a dope artist, insane. Um, and I think people are learning more about him now because of this collab, but he's incredible. Um, you've got Karan Ojla, who is absolutely killing it on every single level, on every single chart. He is there worldwide. You have Raf Sapera, um, which I, the story I love the most is that from where he is, where he's come from, to what he's doing, for his song to be doing so incredibly well, for his albums to be doing so incredibly well. Um, and then you've got, it's, it's kind of opened the door. And then you've got AP Delors performing at the award ceremony for the first time being introduced by Avril Lavigne. You'd never think that Brown music or Desi music would really have the foundations that are his right now. But then you think to yourself, do you know what? This is 2023, this is March. 
what a way to start the year for for Desi Music. Um, and then we obviously we thought of this collab towards the end of last year, and um, I was like, this is the right time. It just feels right. It just felt very organic. It just felt very natural. And we thought, you know what? We're going to try and almost create a genre of music where it's called Afro Desi. Um, and with that, you know, it's so good to see because the timing right now, brown music is winning. And it's very clear when all these uh, Western and urban mainstream artists want to do or jump onto an Asian collab. Um, it's because they know it will trend, it will go viral, it will go worldwide. And the fan base in the whole Asian region and the Asian continent is is ridiculous. Um, obviously, when you compare all the continents, America is massive, but everyone always tends to say India is where it's at, or Asia is where it's at, Pakistan is where it's at, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. So right now, man, like literally, like Asian music is going crazy, and the amount of collabs that I'm hearing people work on, um, the amount of collabs that I've been told about that's happening um you know and the foundations have been set by so many people over the years and it's to come to this where i mean who would ever have thought a, one of the jonas brothers from the disney from the disney channel is going to be doing a track with one of the india's biggest rappers like nobody would have ever thought that would happen oh certainly not before um, priyanka chopra came into the picture but yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And we just thought maybe, you know what, maybe what will it mean Priyanka Chopra and her husband are going to be in a Bollywood movie together because he's got acting experience, that's fine. But it's not something that was forced. And when you hear the song, when you hear the music, you can genuinely feel that they are both completely invested into it. And it's not just a track just to make money, just to be trending. Um, and that's exactly similar. To, it reflects to the project with, with Road to Me, Mumsy and DJ Lion, like, um, I knew that this collaboration would definitely be something different. Um, and I just knew that um, the opportunity that I had to go meet mum, go meet Road to Me, I had to take um, DJ Line and Mumsy with me. I had, they had a bit of a conversation and then it's now led to the, the, the remix being released and we've got a few more projects lined up in the future. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's actually sick. Like, but like being honest, like wrote to me, to me, like it's always kind of been Dre from Power. Like that's like how I was. I like, completely yeah. agree. I completely agree. But it's, I mean, obviously you've said about how, yeah. So I was talking to wrote to me, and I was saying that this should happen, and then you were talking to Mumsy and DJ Lion. Like, I'm curious, how do you find yourself in these circles? Because obviously it's one thing being like having these conversations, but then how 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 do you actually found because again like we were just talking about like um your work outside of music and uh, social media as well i'm yeah. curious as to you you're clearly a very busy person <laughs> like i'm just like there are probably loads of people out there who think oh yeah this artist would sound really good with this artist that sort of thing but how do you how did you actually find yourself in the situation where it not even that you had like access to Mumsy Stranger and DJ Lion, but you had access to them and Rotomi, who's a completely different genre as well. Like, how how yeah. how do you find yourself in those circles? Just, like I mentioned, during lockdown, I did something called Catch Up in Clouds, where I was interviewing celebrities or music musicians from all across the world. Um, I had Mumsy on, <clears throat> I had DJ Lion on, and then um, they became very good friends. Um, and we all just worked on projects together. So DJ Lion's song, After Party, um, I was well, I had the responsibility of the casting. And then I was also in the video as well, giving it a bit of the balibali, everything. Um, wasn't very coordinated, but I was trying. Um, I blame on the lighting. Um, and then um, slowly, slowly, I was getting more and more involved when Mumsy was having a few new songs or was shooting a few new videos. He'd give me a shout. Do you want to help out? They said, yeah, of course, you know. Um, I'm a fan of the guy's music anyway. Um, and it also helps the fact that Mumsy is my cousin. Um, so, but the funny thing is when we're together and we're doing something in terms of a project, nobody would ever think that we are relatives. Like it's strictly professional, get things done, deadline here, there, um, getting it over and done with. Um, however, the project with the road to me, I'll be honest, the craziest thing is um, on my social media, I have this thing where um, 
I post up tune of the day um, where I tag the artist, why I love the song and so forth. And I remember putting up Rotimi's, um, I think you know what to do, the song. And I said, oh, um, tune of the day, Rotimi, purely because he's smoking shisha in the video. And he replied back to that and he goes, and he just said, lol, um, I'll make sure I hit you up in London whenever I'm back in the UK. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Maybe it's one of his uh, associates that's running his page or something, nothing major. Um, a couple of weeks later, I see that he's posted in London. And then I just thought, let me just try my luck. He's not going to reply. I dropped him a DM and I said, hey, look, you're in London. I thought we we're going to get a shisha. What's going on? Are you going to snake me? Five minutes later, ping, notification on my phone, wrote to me. I was like, huh? And then literally he's like, bro, pull up. Um, what time are you going to come to meet us? And I was like, really? I was like, well, I mean, I don't live in London right now, but I could be in London tomorrow. Because yeah, tomorrow is good. Just let me know about 11 o'clock. Let's have a smoke and let's, let's chill. And I was like, I need to verify to you, bro. Like, I know you've got a blue tick and everything, but I need to know for sure. Like, video call me because I just got out of the shower. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what somebody would say if they're hiding behind the profile. And then he video called me like five minutes later because y'all was up. And I was like, yeah, it's Dre. It's cool. No problem. That's fine. <laughs> and then um, when he hung up the phone, I was just like, am I really going to smoke shisha with Road to me? Like, I love power. I'm, I'm the biggest power fan in history. I dislike Dre. But then I figured out yeah. who he was, and I, I love you. Music. You and the majority of people. <laughs> I was like, Dre, I hate you, bro. <laughs> Let's just say, like, by the end of the original series, I was very happy with the conclusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, you're a bit crispy, but it's all good, bro. It's all good. Um, so the next day we met up, and um. I was like, okay, we met at this shisha lounge. And then, but, but before we got there, I called up Lion and Mandy. I was like, listen, I'm going to meet Rotimi for shisha. Do you guys want to come down? They're like, oh, okay, uh, maybe. And I was like, listen, who knows what could happen from this? Like, the guy just met me because I just told him to come meet me for shisha. If you guys come down, you can talk about your music stuff, whatever. Who knows what could happen? And Mumsy and DJ Lion, they were just like, you know what? Well, might as well, we'll come down. So they came down. We all chilled um he was smoking shisha with his friend and he came over we had a conversation and i could literally see the magic happening right there when i saw them those three talking in a huddle i was just like this is crazy like i can see something happening here and i butted in and i just said listen if you guys don't do a track together i don't want to see you guys ever again plain and simple and he looked at me and i was like oh that's the dre look he's gonna <laughs> You know, I, I, I better step back a little bit. Um, but I was like, honestly, guys, like, and I explained it to him individually. I said, I said, Lion, listen, you're one of the baddest producers in the world. Forget about in the UK right now, in the Asian market right now. You're one of the baddest producers in the world. Mums, you're urban, bashment. Nobody else can do it the way that you do. And wrote to me, your R&B, your soul, your Afrobeat. I see something happening. And then Road Team, we did the whole kind of, yeah, 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 we'll keep in touch, bro, this and this. We said goodbye and everything else. And I was like, okay, at least we tried. Um, and then I had my, I was recording my New Year's Day show for the BBC Asian Network. Um, and I messaged Road Team again. I was like, bro, I'm going to play your track for the first time on Asian Network. Um, can I just get a little bit of a plug or maybe introduce it? He gave like a three-minute voice note, which I had to trim down. He was bigging me up. He was doing this, saying, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it got incredible love. And he, we became close in the sense of he was giving me other little tasks and projects to do. And I said to him, bro, you know, you featured on the Asian network. It's only right we give this song a bit of an Asian flavor. He said, bro, you can try, but I don't think it will work. I said, you know what? Give me the stems. Give me the instrumental. Give me the acapella. I know two people that will make it happen. And then I said, you know, you remember the guys that you met um, at the Shisha spot? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Leave it to them. Um, I gave Mumsy and Lion the difficult task of getting it done. Because um, initially, Rotimi was like, yeah, let's make it Asian, but not too Asian. Because he was afraid of the risk of what could happen. He heard the first draft. He messaged me saying, bro, can we make it more Asian? 
And I was like, okay. He goes, yeah, 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 add that, that Punjabi drum. I was like, doll? He goes, yeah, 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 add that doll. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then he was suggesting this and this, and then we came up with the final version. And he was more excited than any of us. Like, he was like, I'm sold. This is going to go crazy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, and we just thought, you know what? It's just going to be a little remix we put out. Maybe he'll put it on a reel. Maybe he'll just do this. And then we had a Zoom meeting with his manager, um, Kenny Hamilton, very well, well-renowned. Um, and um, so Rotimi is backed by Empire Music, who is huge globally. Um, and he joined our Zoom call and he goes, yeah, we're going to distribute it, put it all over Spotify, feature all of you guys as main artists. And I was just like, wow. And after the call, Mandu was like, I don't think you guys realize what's happening. I was like, what? He goes, we're going to be featured as a main artist, not even as a feature, on a track with Road To Me that's backed by Empire and promoted heavily in Jakarta and India. And I was like, so have I done a good thing? Um, I was like, because I'm a fan of music. I don't know the music jargon and the whole language and lingo. He goes, bro, like, this could be massive for us. And then I was just like, okay. So then I kept, it's got to the point now, right? I don't want to hear the song anymore because I've heard like 15 versions of it and I've had it on repeat. When people play it, I'm just like, can you just mute it and then just have it playing in the background? Um, but I look back at it and it's like three, four months solid amount of work. But I've got three of my favorite artists working on one track from different backgrounds, bringing music together because I think in this day and age, with everything that's going on, with all the politics, with all the problems, all the issues, all the negativity, things like music brings people together. Um, and, you know, this is about building that bridge between the Afrobeat, Amapiano, Afri African community with the Desi community, because music like this doesn't come around often. I mean, the last time for me, Bacha has a bit of a, vibe sometimes or then i think about zach knight with fuse odg with Barcha again but then it's like we need to do more of this like i love how we can collab with mainstream artists but let's let's try and get into different cultures let's try and do something more with the 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 african community let's do something more with the brazilian south american community um because that music always pops off but it's about bringing people together um and yeah, man, I'm just so proud of the project and how far it's come and almost feel like a like a proud father because seeing it from where it could have been, where it began to where it is now. And um, I'm just thankful that the fact that people like, like wrote to me and his management gave us the opportunity and, and trusted us to say, you know what, I'm going to leave my song to you guys to do the first and the only official remix. Like there's no other remix with anybody else. This is the official um and you know and seeing it now on spotify seeing it being played in people's cars um in their reels and their videos like it's it's a it's a nice feeling to have and um like i said it's for me it's one of the biggest projects i've worked on um and it just made me more hungry to do more so hopefully you'll see a lot more coming yeah no just to go back to what you were saying about being proud of it you 100 percent should be and i think this is like such a it should be su serve as such an inspiration to anyone out there who just thinks like who has like these sort of like what essentially is a passion project but yeah. I think with passion projects we often like kind of view them as like being like purely for the sake of passion obviously it's in the name but like this is just an example of that that has been turned to something so massive and purely from just a few dms leading to this do you know what i mean Literally, like the yeah. fact that that is started the domino effect leading to where you're at now and it's all due to you just being persistent consistent but like not annoying do you know what i mean like there it just shows like yeah. there's a way there's a way to do it and i just think to anyone out there who like wants to get something done clearly like there's no reason why it can't Literally, like I would encourage anyone, no matter what industry you're in or what you're looking to do or what you want to do, never, ever be afraid. Because the moment you have any sense of fear within your system, um, it stems from the brain and then it controls your body. It doesn't allow you to do anything else. The worst thing that can happen is a no 
the worst thing that can happen is someone not replying to your message but you don't want to live in that regret of if I then see someone else do it when I had the idea you don't want to live in regret thinking that could have been me I could have done that if I just had a bit more self-belief so when I was DMing wrote to me I thought you know what I don't even think the guy's going to reply like I highly doubt it but he did and if I didn't do that, it could have been anybody else saying to him, yo, let's meet up in London, let's have a shisha, then let's talk music. And I could have been that guy that said, oh, I had the idea of doing an Asian remix, but I didn't do it. But the only person I can really blame is myself. So self-belief is, is a huge thing. Um, there's, a, there's a very fine line between confidence slash arrogance um, and believing in yourself. And um, everybody has their, has their own kind of, limit of pushing that boundary um but for me if you don't ask you don't get um and because of that um with the with the foundation that was set with the platform that was set with catch up in clouds i never thought i'd be able to call rishi rich a friend as of today now we will casually joke around or message something um i went to his album launch or sorry his um the album launch of jack Tar, uh, which rishi produced the entire ep of um, but you, all these people, all these things that you can do, there's nothing stopping you. Literally, um, like you said, it just started from a DM and now, uh, you know, we all talk regularly in a WhatsApp group together, what we're doing, how is this popping off? What should we do next? What should we do in the future? Um, and yeah, being consistently persistent without really ticking someone off, as you said, is the way forward um and you just need to keep trying um like i said the moment you let fear enter your system you lose all kind of control of what you're able to do because us as individuals we are able to do so much but we are so afraid of especially being in the asian in the asian community we're so afraid of what could happen next what could people say um why am I doing as good as this person? Why is this person doing better than me? Why am I not getting more likes? Why am I not getting more comments? That means nothing as long as you do what you do with a clean heart. Um, the funny thing is I've always said this about social media. As a whole, nowadays people tend to go places they don't like, eating things that they don't like eating and doing things they don't like doing to impress people that don't like them. And the sad truth is we're putting up all these things on our stories, on our posts and everything. If it makes you happy, do it. Don't do it for the satisfaction of others because a like won't do much because, and you know, a comment won't do much and you might have 10,000 followers. 8,000 of those followers could be people that don't like you. We just want to see what you do. As long as you know what you're doing, you have a clean heart, you have good intentions. That's all that matters. And um, that's all I'd ever say to anybody, man. Look, I'm I'm a nobody. I'm a very chilled guy that just likes to smoke shisha, share his musical experiences and have fun. Um, I would never call myself an influencer or any of this or any of that. But I would be that guy that says, if you have something in mind, even if it has a 0.01% chance of it happening, do it. Jump in head first, no regrets. Worst thing that can happen, it doesn't work, but you don't want to live in regret. Just never, ever have fear because once fear takes over, you cannot do anything else. And fear and regret go hand in hand for me because if you're afraid of something, like you should proudly do something as, as the children of today say, do it with chest, do it with your chest, do it big man, whatever. But it's more kind of do it and rave about it, shout about it. Don't be shy about it. Don't have... If you don't have confidence in yourself, why would people invest time into you? Why would people even invest anything into your project? I had to go up to the guy who wrote to me who, 3 million followers, amazing actor, amazing singer, I want you to do an Asian track. I wasn't like, do you think you want to do an Asian track with my friends? No, no, no. I want you to jump on an Asian track. It's going to pop off. Trust me, believe me. And it was with that confidence, he took that chance. And here we are today, man. So literally believe in yourself because if you don't nobody else will for sure and for anyone out there that 
wants to continue following what you're doing and follow more of this inspirational stuff, like where's the best place to find you? Uh, I find myself on Instagram. Um, so it's R-U-M-E-L dot R-N. Um, I'm trying to get onto the whole TikTok thing. Uh, I'm getting old, so I'm trying to make that progression and that transition over there. Can I just say as well, like I remember it was your birthday a couple of months ago. Um, yes, or, like, yes. Yeah, and I saw like your thing saying how old you were and I was literally like I literally thought you were like mid-20s that's a bit of a spoiler to anyone else there but like (laughs) I really wish I was but like the camera does not show the gray hairs um and you know you don't hear about the back pains or the headaches or the migraines but um yes you know I'm I am at this moment I am 33 years old um so I'm working away I'm doing different things but um i think with my personality i'm just that guy that likes to entertain and make people happy and try and do my bit so um i'm just enjoying what i'm doing right now and that's the most important bit no matter what age you're at um to anybody who's watching this and thinking how can i get into something like the musical side or something like the whole social media side i'm 33 i only got into this like a year ago um so don't worry about all the youngsters that are doing their things on tiktoks making reels every other day do everyone has their own journey the moment you take a shortcut you're diverting from yourself yourself from that journey and that end goal is just even further away just stick to your path everything will happen in its due course amazing that's such a good message to end on hope you've enjoyed today's episode you can listen to the whole thing back on spotify very shortly make sure to give us a follow on socials at mango masala radio